0: between what it means to be good when you're trying to be
1: epic no you don't gotta believe in me nothing can stop me i already said it i'm taking everything they stole from us yeah. you got your problems i'm a whole nother i'm giving people something to believe in i'ma show them freedom like we're gonna fight back yeah we breaking chains over here yeah you can stay over there
0: and welcome back everyone to it's the post july 4th Last call, last call with the alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And well, joining me here, well, we gotta bring a guy on who knows exactly what's going on in the world of mixed martial arts. I gotta get people who are hungry, who are ready, who are well primed to break down major fights. Well, I get when I get bring in guys like that, I gotta bring in this guy because he knows all about that and has worked his ass off to become one of the big name uh, reporters in this business. I give you all the way from, well, he used to be just a guy who was scrapping for stuff. Now he is making the big bucks, as they say. I give you from MixedMartialArts.com, I give you editor Jason Burgos. So, uh, Jason, let's start off here Bellator 262. It's it's a sneaky good card. It's been sort of ignored because, you know, it got sandwiched between the heavyweight fight and uh, the Bellator dream fight, but... Give me your, your overall thoughts when you just think, you know, first off, Bellator 262 and the card itself.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's a solid card and it's got some really good names on it. I guess the best thing about it is that uh, it's really a showcase event for Juliana Velasquez. Like, she's really one of those talents – on their roster not, I mean, I, I guess you can say like homegrown and I wasn't, she wasn't like some big free agent signing. She signed there and worked her way up to a title shot with the Lima Like she's one of those talents that has that pound for pound level of skill. So for her to be in the main event uh, first, you know, I, I think it's the first title defense system, Lima labor fight. Um, it's a big opportunity to showcase one of their newest stars, one of their new faces in the women's division. But you have some other really good, talented fighters like a Tyrell Fortune, who's one of their, a uh, definitely homegrown guy in, in, in the heavyweight division. You know, Matt Mitrione, Linda Bissell, even an Arlene Blenkout. It's a, a good card with some solid names on it. But Juliana Velasquez, her, her fight is, is the standout for me in this.
0: So, first, we'll start off here with the main card Juliana Velasquez versus these keyholes. Looks-wise, look, it's a perfect card. I mean, both both women are knockouts, you know, two very beautiful women. They can both fight. Is this going to be a competitive fight? I mean, can Denise Keelholz actually win this fight, or is Juliana, Juliana just that much better than anybody in this
1: division? That's what's so interesting about it, because keelholtz has a, a lot of upside in terms of just her – not only her skill set, but her mainstream appeal, because she is a, a very – attractive woman good you know good talker all these kinds of things so th- but this is that ultimate test that juliana velasquez is so good in that she's so well-rounded yes she's a dangerous striker but she can grapple if she has to she has a, a fairly complete set that's only getting better while denise Keelholtz has strong striking like the kickboxing style the dutch kickboxing so it's always that big test for you know she's kind of leaving that prospect phase she's only had eight fights but when you're in a title fight you're not no longer really a prospect but now you're in the big time you're an established star but for an established to establish yourself truly to become a champion you have to pass those tests and I feel like this is going to be a test where Juliana is going to test her grappling and see how good her grappling is and, and 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 test her in everywhere because that's the kind of talent she is but um that that's what makes it so fascinating it, it, it's it's Juliana getting her first big moment as a champion to prove she is a champion and not Uh, a one-hit wonder or a bad match of Philemon and it's a a chance for Denise to prove she is an elite flyweight in Bellator in the world she also is a complete fighter and can beat talent the level of Velasquez because this is a big step up in talent for her
0: let's talk about Keols first Uh, as you said home ground because basically all her fights except her debut in mixed Mm -hmm. martial arts have come into Bellator so under Bellator she is 6-1. 6-1. and one. And her one loss was to Vita Ortega. Since then, four straight wins. Christina Williams, Kate Jackson, last two back-to-back, first-round knockouts. When you see her, how impressive is it of how far she's come, how well she's done, considering she doesn't have that wrestling background. She doesn't have a jiu-jitsu background. This is somebody who's a pure striker who has been able to literally do this well, especially at a later you know, stage in her life. She's 32 years old. It's not like she this is, you know, an 18-year-old, a 19-year-old. This is somebody who's, you know, in their 30s and, you know, picked it up after years of kickboxing.
1: And she's a fascinating story also because she's one of their, the, it almost seems defunct now, but Bellator kickboxing. She was a Bellator kickboxing talent before she even stepped into Bellator octagon. I mean, excuse me, a, a cage. So she is one of these great stories that she's transitioned from their kickboxing into their MA and has completely you know, worked her way up the ladder, fighting various talent, proving herself on, on on the way up, winning by different things. She's, it's stunning, but she's got a, a submission win over someone like Christina Williams, who's a, a super tough, durable fighter. You know, Vita Ortega, Vita Ortega is a crazy thing. It's under so underappreciated. So yeah, that's one of her losses. But Vita Ortega, while she's almost like the, the female version of Emmanuel Sanchez, not spectacular, not going to blow you away with talent, but she just maxes out her skills. So losing to her that early in your MMA, that's like a good loss <laughs> to losing to someone as good as her early and as, as tough as she is. That's a hell of a test, and it, she only got better, winning her next four fights in route to getting a title shot. So it, it, it's a she's so interesting on so many levels. In that she, like you mentioned, older, so she's not young per se, but still a prospect in MMA, but a former Bellator kickboxing talent. You know, one of the few that have. T- gone from one sport to the other under the Bellator banner and is at the elite level. So she's a she's a big. It's almost a win win. I think for Bellator, if she wins, she's still a homegrown prospect. Prospect that can be a mainstream star. If Juliana Velasquez wins, it continues her run as one of these pound for pound elite talents and maybe right up there with Cyborg as one of the best female fighters on a Bellator roster.
0: Juliana Velasquez, how, how much does it hurt? And I, I find I hate saying it because it sounds stupid, but. How much does it hurt that she's you know the last couple of fights let's say her last four outside of christina williams she hasn't gotten a finish and i I get it look alejandra lara damn tough opponent bruna ellen is one of those you know sneaky tough people and lima layman farland was undefeated beating her was very impressive but how much does it hurt her in terms of you know getting making her that bigger than you know just bigger than life star because Hey, you know, maybe people like finishes, people like this. And it's sort of the last couple of fights have gone to this distance. So people go, oh, it's, you know, usual MMA, women's MMA. They don't finish anybody.
1: It's true. And you don't want to get down on a fighter for winning by decision, especially if it's dominant at times. But it's it's that thing. It's the home run ball. You know, chicks dig the home run. That, that kind of idea that the finish is big. It's a huge opportunity to in your fan base. It brings in the mainstream fans. It it, it it ups your chance of making more money. There's a reason why those fighters in any division, it can, they can knock people out or just finish people. They can become superstars. And that that's probably a part of the appeal with someone like a, a Charles Oliveira. That guy's a finishing machine and, and he's he's run up to a finishing machine and now he's in that superstar conversation along with being a champion because he gets finishes. He, he was a notable star even when he had some rough patches at featherweight and even a lightweight early in his career because that dude could always get finishes. So finishes are huge especially if you're a person that's headlining because that's what's what do you offer an audience especially the ticket buying audience maybe not for this event but down the line that are going to pay to come see you in person what do you offer them that they want to pay for you see you in person and in the fight game it's getting finishes so yeah it, it hurts her marketability in a way when you show her highlight reel you're not necessarily showing a bunch of, of finishes to some fan that comes by it but this is where Beltor just has to push the idea that she's one of their most talented fighters and get across that she's an elite talent despite her finishes and not being getting finishes on Alondra, La, Alejandra Laura, Aleem and McFarlane, that means because so, those are elite fighters too. And you can't always finish the elite fighters.
0: Speaking of, of elite and speaking also of finishes, just added onto the card, Diana, uh, and I'll, I apologize for screwing this up, Av Saragoga, a.k.a. Pantera, has been added to this card, 22 years old. First Bellator fight out, she knocks out her opponent in 29 seconds. Uh, does it, Bellator had to be careful though? I mean, because I, I get it. We all look at the ooh, sexy new toy, and we think this is gonna be great. Hey, we have a young, you know, whippersnapper who's gonna just knock people out and do all this here, and we forget that you know there have been bumps in the road, such as Aaron Pico. There have been bumps in the road with a lot of these young kids who UFC, I mean, Bellator, UFC, they all do it. They just rush them and go, yeah, know, we shouldn't have done that here. How does you, how does Bellator handle Diana? How do they give her more, you know, these little soft touches or do they eventually after, let's say four or five fights, give her something in the middle? If, if,
1: any promotion outside the UFC have a tough problem in terms of we always get on the ufc you brought up some great examples in the ufc of sometimes rushing people because the ufc has the depth of roster where they can slow burn develop somebody they can give them someone at their kind of experience level then they can work them up by giving them a kind of a name veteran that isn't maybe as relevant in the division but a win over them adds to their resume they have such depth in the roster that could do that Every other promotion in the world really doesn't have, have that ability and the funds to have such depth on the roster and up and down with some name value. So they have to sort of take these risks. And, and taking another way from Bellator, they have slow burn talent. AJ McKee is a perfect example of slow burning someone. And now it's a superstar. You mentioned Pico. That was a guy that they didn't slow burn because he was supposed to be the most highest potential of the fab five wrestlers that came in and it didn't work out but you know what that's the greatness of 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 mma you have fighters like a robbie Lawler, a jeremy stevens who at certain points in their life they in their career seem like oh you know they're middle of the road mid card you know they're, they're kind of journeymen they can they, they're good but maybe not beat somebody and then something can change be it a loss a camp change a weight division change and they can become superstars they can become top fighters that can quote unquote main event and a robbie Lawler's cage become a U of champion so um for bellator it's a tough spot yeah you want to slow burn but if they feel there's something in her that can one help them make money which is always important because it is a business but she has upside you kind of have to trust in, the, in the, the matchmakers that they're doing the right thing for their talent for their roster but yeah it's the riskiness of being any promotion in what do you do do you push superstar potential right away or do you slow burn it's a tough it's a tough tough call.
0: Two heavyweight fights on main card. Tyrell Fortune versus Matt Metriome. Vinton Bissell versus Marcelo Gohm. Feels like almost showcase fights for both guys. Fortune, big wrestler. Metriome really can't, you know, has never figured out wrestling. Bissell has to wannabe late level. Marcelo Gohm has not. Uh... What is Bellator doing with the heavyweights, and how tough is it for them in terms of they're so sh- they are so thin and heavyweight that right now, Jake Hager is ranked in the top 10. That says enough right there.
1: Yeah, very true. I mean, and it's, <laughs> that fight in itself is a weird kind of the dichotomy of developing a brand in a name. Lint of is an already established brand, in general in martial arts because he's been around a long time but he's still fairly new as an established heavyweight Ty- Tyrell Fortunes one of their their prospects that that's a perfect example of a slow burn guy and this is Matt Mitrione is kind of what I'm saying like the UFC can do all the time what Bellator can do on occasion he's that veteran name that his relevancy in the division has fallen a great deal and it's that fight to prove yourself get a win over a name even if it's a fight that you pr- probably should win, it's still being Matt Mitchell, and a lot of people are familiar with him. He's the main event. While on the flip side for Linton, he really can use that development help, though, because Linton is a guy that they haven't pushed, and it takes a diehard fan to really understand. This guy's really good. Like This guy's been a multi-time uh, light heavyweight title challenger. He's very talented. He's maybe arguably the best grappler in heavyweight, and he's a light heavy, lighter kind of heavyweight, so he has a lot of upside. But Marcelo Gomes, solid fighter, but he's a a UFC washout lost all his fights there lost to Tim Johnson there you know so it's 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 a weird thing but um they're win-win situations I think Terrell will win and this is a big win for him and now that's one of those marquee wins and now you're positioning him they're, they're clearly it seems like those are two guys for the heavyweight division that they're positioning to maybe work their way up to Maldoski, who Linton fought him in a close fight so you have that as a as a selling point for that fight but I feel like you nailed it. This is a feature kind of showcase for both. And that kind of tells you what the matchmakers and organization think. These are two of the guys we feel they have strength, long-term and heavyweight, and let's put them in fights that co-main event main card that they probably should win and could look good. And then boom, we'll sell them onto bigger bolder fights down the line.
0: We're going to turn our attention now to is UFC 264 and I know everyone wants to talk to the main event, even the co-main event. Let's talk about some undercard fights first. Uh, Max Griffin, Carlos Condit. Is this the swan song for Carlos Condit? And I hate saying that because this is a man who, he's been underappreciated. I mean, when you look at his career, when you look at all the great fights between him and Robbie Lawler, him and Johnny Hendricks, him, you know, the controversial fight with Nick Diaz, George St. Pierre, knockout wins over, you know, or yeah, over Rory McDonald. Uh, a split decision, you know, Rockham sock sockham lost Martin Campman. I mean, he's done everything he's always handled himself class. Is this the end of a road though? I mean, you hate to say it because I know he's he's coming off of two wins, Matt, Matt Brown, Court McGee. But if he loses, should he retire? Is this is this the fight? If he loses, he needs to go, okay. I have some of I have a lot of other stuff to do. I'm gonna do this because. If you lose to Max Griffin, I think he's done it as in terms of anybody taking him as even a title contender ever seriously.
1: It's it's a tough thing to watch because, uh, you know, for the fans that listen to this that didn't see uh, Carlos Condon and they got into the game when he wasn't a prime in his prime. Man, Carlos Condon was a killer. Like, there's certain names that will be on the Mount Rushmore of WEC. And he's one of them, along with a uh, Uriah Faber, Aldo, uh, uh, Miguel Torres, Cerrone, uh, those kind of things. Like he was, he's one of the better welterweights to ever compete in the 2000s into the 2010s. Like he was great, great fighter. This, he probably should have retired after losing the, the five in a row and the, the six of seven. Like, he, he probably should have. This is a, an interesting piece of clever UFC booking. Cause the UFC, we all know, they will squeeze the juice out of any name fighter, and Carlos is a name. He's main in a lot of pair views and events throughout his career. They will squeeze every bit of, of juice out of him, but the smart thing is that they gave him notable names. They gave him a Neil Magnet. They gave him Maya. They gave him Michael Chiesa. He lost all those fights, and some of them, he, a lot of them he was finished in. So they gave him Corey McGee, Matt Brown, kind of in his range right now of relevancy. He wins, so it's like, okay, is Carlos kind of on a roll, or is he not? So in Max Griffin, you get someone that is good, solid fighter, but maybe not a super threat, not a rank guy, not on the level of his previous opponents. So you either, one, Carlos wins three in a row. Okay, now maybe you have some more marketability in this 37-year-old fighter with a name. He's won three in a row. Maybe you throw him a a name right at the top 15 out is outside of it somewhere around there or max griffin gets a a a nice win he gets a a resume landmark win that you can then go market off him it's clever booking that it's a win-win for them you don't uh lessen a talent that you have a lot of value and stock in while whoever wins they have some they have some interesting value for it. Whoever loses, Carlos, yeah, maybe it is time for him to retire. I don't think he will, though, unfortunately. And then Max Griffin is sort of, if he loses, nice fighter, but not a big deal if he loses. It's not it's not a big loss for them either way.
0: To me, the best undercard, undercard fight, Ryan Hall, Ilya Tuporia. Uh, Ryan Hall is a leg lock specialist. You know what's coming. You know what he does. Everybody knows it this time, and yet he still is able to leg lock people and Submit people whenever he wants. He's now taking on a guy who is one of those, you know, UFC sort of is betting on heavily to come out of Europe. They have been looking for always, you know, the next Michael Bisbee, the next Alex, you know, Alex Gustafson, who went into a market, helped build the market. Actually, you know, the market's exploding. Tapora is, you know, he fights out of Spain. He's, you know, one of their big young stars. They've been developing. Twenty-four years old. Who wins this fight? And who, who do you think is, you know, UFC
1: Broody Hall or Taporia? I think you gave every reason why they're probably rooting for Taporia. Nothing against Ryan Hall. And he has that unique – he's done well for himself in terms of social media and those kind of things. That He's developed a name for himself. He has a unique style. So he has legitimate marketability in his unique kind of uh, almost nerdy submission – Limb collector kind of way. But yeah, I think Taporia is the guy they're hoping for. You look at his record, he's unbeaten, he's he's got finishes on the ground, finishes on the stand-up, he's got a well-rounded game. He's like perfectly mentioned, he's Spanish, you know, he's born in Germany, but you know, fighting out of Spain. Interesting things. There's a place they always want to mine for revenue in the future. So I think they definitely want Taporia to win, but that's the fascinating thing about a guy like Ryan Hall. Ryan Hall is a guy that's been underestimated for a while, and I think now people are stopped underestimating him and he's got legitimate wins in the record i'll bet maybe not killers bj penn gray maynard artem lobov those aren't killers especially at those point in their career for the older guys but this is a, a test for him if he can beat a taporia then ryan hall's legit and he's maybe one of those guys that need to really put the the rocket behind and then they start marketing. Well, if Taporia wins, he beats a really good fighter. It adds a nice name to his record and, and gives him a, another nice little building block off of what he's done going 3-0 you know, in the UFC if he beats Hall. So I think they want Taporia to win. I think Taporia probably will win because of that well-rounded skill set, but I, you nailed it. This is one of those really good fights on the undercard that is isn't getting enough love, but it's really fascinating. Two really good young in terms of fighting uh, up-and-comers in the, in the promotion.
0: Gilbert Gilbert Burns, Stephen Thompson, co-main event. Uh, it, I, we, and, and it's funny because, you know, for at uh, one point, we all wrote Stephen Thompson off. And, and you feel bad because it's like almost kicking a puppy, slapping Tim Tebow, spitting on, you know, a nun. It's like, yeah, I feel like an asshole. But, you know, we, after the, the Pettis loss, Till loss, you thought, okay, he's done. Now... Vincente Luque, Jeff Neal, back-to-back wins. Can he beat Gilbert Burns? And is is he basically you now got his second win? Where we look and go, holy crap! He's thirty-eight, but he's young, thirty-eight. And could he be, the, be dare I say, but get one more time that shot at the world weight championship?
1: Could he beat Gilbert Burns? Yeah, he he can he can beat Gilbert Burns if this was Stephen Thompson. In 2016, 2015, I think he'd be a big favorite over Gilbert Burns, but that's what makes this fight so interesting, because he is. He's, he's 38. He's not his his prime version, but he's fascinating that, like those losses you mentioned, the Darren Till fight was super close. I thought he won that fight. That was a super close fight, a point-scoring fight. Those can always go either way. Anthony Pettis, while finished one of Anthony Pettis' best finishes, Stephen Thompson was beating him up pretty good in that fight, <laughs> and I think he kind of thought he was going to go on for the kill and underestimated Anthony's punching power going up to welterweight. But since then, I mean, Vicente Luco, that's a real strong win. Jeff Neal, he continues to be that weird puzzle at welterweight that even at 38, that's a really good win and a tough fight for everybody. I mean, he just beat Jorge Masvidal not that long ago, you know? And so he's one of those guys. I still think Gilbert is just prime enough that he should win this fight. Stephen Thompson is one of those guys that if Steven Thompson somehow out to three round fight, not five, it's a point scoring fight. He gets out to like at that first round as Gilbert tries to figure him out early, loses a round that he's got to win those last two. It gets real interesting. And Stephen Thompson is still elusive and tough. I think Gilbert has a great skill set that he's explosive and he has a good takedown game similar to Tyron Wooley. So that's a good skill set for a Stephen Thompson fight. But I don't think Steven Thompson will be competing for a championship or in the conversation, but I could be proven wrong, and I've been proven wrong many times in this game called MMA, so I, you never know.
0: Speaking of proven wrong, I think everybody was proven wrong when Dustin Poirier beat mm-hmm. McGregor. And look, everybody thought when, when, they first, when they rematch, they thought, okay, it's going to be the same thing. Conor McGregor at 145, 155, he is just a monster, and Poirier is just going to get knocked out again. That didn't happen, and yet we're here. It's now the rematch. We're now looking forward, and it feels sort of subdued. Like it, usually there'd be press conferences, there'd be smack talk. Connor would be making jokes, saying who the who the bleep is this guy. Uh, Poirier would be bitching about McGregor, not you know, paying about that bet, which you know Dustin Poirier has every right to because Connor agreed to do all that. And yet we, it feels just like no, it's it's happened here. What's been going on? Why is this why is this such a quiet build up between these two?
1: I think that says a lot about how each man knows how hugely important it is for their career, especially McGregor. Now Dustin Poirier, he's got the win. He's got that Nate Diaz star making moment that Nate had a bunch of years ago against Conor. But a second win on Conor. No one's beaten Connor twice. A second win is the career defining. He becomes one of the biggest stars, cause he already is, but one of the top three kind of biggest stars while being just super likable. He, he's, you know, I was watching the Kings Showtime special on the the, the great fighters from from, from the eighties and seventies. He becomes like a Sugar Ray type, likable, good fighter, all those kind of thing, if he can beat him. I think this fight is so fascinating because Conor McGregor needs to win this fight. This is the first time I think I can remember. This is a must win for Conor McGregor. We cannot, after Eddie Alvarez, this man lost in boxing. We all expected that anyway, got knocked out. But he lost to to Habib. He beat Donald Cerrone, who Donald Cerrone is anywhere near in a prime version. And then he lost to Dustin, getting finished to Dustin. Like, he needs to win this. There's so much questions. Maybe he's not the guy he wants was maybe he's not where he used to be maybe switching the boxing effed up with his his training style his maybe training all the time in Portugal and and doing his his boxing style individualized camp is not working for him this is a huge moment in this superstar's career to prove that he's still bankable he'll always be a big star but you lose but so many times and if you're getting finished you lose value he's going to lose value and he's in his case, is huge because he that he'll lose leverage, and if he doesn't have leverage, it's going to be interesting. Maybe he just retires. Who knows? He almost retired. He t- retired once already, but I feel like the quiet buildup is a good thing in terms of what we get next week because I think both these men take this fight are taking this fight it, she's so seriously.
0: Last question to we'll let you go, and it's it's a weird question because on at face value you think oh it's simple, but on deeper level you and I both have to think. Who is the UFC rooting for? Con McGregor, who yes makes a lot of money, but a pain in the ass, has his issues outside the cage. You worry about him, you know, always doing stuff. Yes, and you always are thinking, oh, he might actually get arrested for good this time, and yeah, we might have, have jail time. But a hey, or Dustin Poirier, who he's been around, yes, he's done all this, but he's becoming what we, we want in mixed martial arts—that all-American hero who. He's trying. He's fighting poverty. He's beating up all these guys. He just, you know, he's action packed. And now that there's no Habib, could he be the face of the UFC? I mean, if he beats Connor again and knocks him out, is the UFC more happy about that, or are they still pissed off because well, the Golden Egg is now dead?
1: I think, I feel they're they're always going to root for Connor. He's he's there's just so much. He's one of the few crossover stars that this sport has ever seen. There's not many of them. There's big stars, no no doubt. There are the John Joneses and the Demetrius Johnsons and Israel Adesanis that are huge stars, but very few have that crossover appeal like he has had or a a Ronda Rousey has had that brings in the type of revenue that no other fighter can bring. So they're always going to lean him. And also, I just think it's the devil you know Compared to the devil, you don't, and not to say that Dustin's a devil at all. He's a devil to them in that he's not going to bend over backwards for them. He will publicly get annoyed with them. He's not going to do whatever they want. He wants his value, you know. And, and if they're going to have two guys that are going to fight for their worth and maybe not necessarily do whatever they want, they rather they're used to Connor and his shenanigans. And if with Connor you get the biggest bang for your headache and negotiating buck with him, he just. He just has that kind of star potential that is second really to none. So I think they're always going to root for him. But worst case scenario, he loses. Dustin Poirier is still a fantastic game plan to fall back on because he is such a likable guy. He's not a divisive character. He's a George St. Pierre type. Starfighter, great fighter, likable guy. And for George St. Pierre, they, he made them a ton of money. So it's a win-win, but they're definitely leaning for Connor. They want that man to win.
0: Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, I give you all the way from, uh, and as I said, one of the true, just huge stories in mixed martial arts for reporting a guy who actually did the, the real way, worked his ass off, and has been straight down the line. I give you from mixed arts.com. I give you the new MMA editor over there. I give you Jason Burgos. So, uh, Jason, before let's go, where can fans check
1: you out at the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Where can fans hit you up at? On um- all three instagram twitter facebook all that jason burgos b-u-r-g-o-s m-m-a um you can find me there find all my content there but of course mixedmartialarts.com we're on the way up y'all we're coming putting the money in we're going to be big sooner or later and then check us out keep locked there
0: jason burgos ladies and gentlemen once again we are proud to have him on the show while we come back our next guest coming up, he's warm up in the bullpen. All this and more only on Last Call. Last Call, but the alcohol only on Blue Wire Hustle Network. the yeah, alcohol only on the blue wire Hustle network and earlier we heard of course from jason burgos of mma uh, masters we for always always talk with him about mma but now we're going to a sweet science itself in the boxing ring and this man here well it's wilder versus fury but it's going to be this man getting uh, well his chance at redemption he's been wanting a rematch He now has it we looking forward to it I give you—it's the Polish power himself. I give you Adam Konacki, Adam. It's been a Thanks, long, long, friggin' year. I know you've been just going, "Okay, when is it gonna end? When is it's gonna end? When things get back normal?" How happy are you just to get back into fighting?
2: Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, I can't wait to get back in there uh, to get some re- redemption. Uh, like you said before, has been the last year and a half was was brutal. I think uh, not just for me, but for everybody else. Uh, I'm happy to be back. You know, I'm happy. uh Heyman uh, and PBC gave me the opportunity to find on such a big card, and I can't wait to uh, sh- uh, be back in the ring. Why the
0: rematch? Why right away? Because I'm guessing there are people who are probably going, "Hey, let's, um, let's take some time, let's work on some things. Let's fix. It. Let's try to fix some stuff." And I know, I know you were admin, but I want the rematch. I want the rematch as soon as possible. Why? Why was that for you a big thing? Where? Most people just say, hey, just take a tune-up fight and then
2: will go again. Uh, I mean, my goal is to be world champion. And if I can't beat Canelius, you know, I might as well. Uh, you know, I mean, this, 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 uh, if I can't be him, I mean, what are my chances against uh, some guys like uh, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, or uh, Deontay Wilder, you know? I mean, so I think I have to beat him uh, so I could sleep all night knowing... Uh, I could have uh, fight the best, and that fight I was, I feel, I feel I was winning that fight, you know, until I got it with, uh, with a shot coming in. I thought I almost had him out, but I uh, got a little reckless, got with a good shot, and, know, uh, you know, and, and uh, it ended, you know, unluckily. But uh, it was a good learning experience, and I can't wait to be back in there.
0: You know how it is when when you win, everything is, you know you know, sunshine and rainbows. When you lose, everybody just jumps off that bandwagon quicker, than they can, you know, spell ice cream. How much of this help you sort of realize like who's really your friend, who's in your corner, and who is just sort of along for the ride and went, oh
2: yeah, this is great now, oh
0: yeah, we're gonna leave now.
2: Uh, I mean, I usually kept a very uh, small circle. So uh, all the people that always were with me, I mean, are still with me. Um, so, I mean, and everybody else who was just sag long was just sag So, like I said before, like, I always come a small circle. So, everybody that was with me stayed with me, and, uh, and they're very supportive.
0: Let's talk about the fight itself, because when we talked with Hellenius, he said, this is, you know, Adam comes forward. There's no defense. He's going to try to overwhelm you, but you can hit him. How do you fix that? How do you go about this rematch? Because, he, he, as I said, you, you like to bring the pressure. You like to go, you know, go for it. He's going to look at that and go, okay, there will be openings. I can catch him. How big is this fight to make some adjustments? Whatever they are, you know, you I know you don't want Tommy, but how big is this fight not being the same at him?
2: Yeah. Uh- I mean, I've got to be more, more, more careful, you know. I just got to make sure I come behind double jab instead of just uh, walking forward, keeping my hands up a little bit higher. I mean, and that's what I did. I mean, I, I thought I almost had him, you know. I mean, I was waiting on the scorecards. Um, just got caught. <laughs> so, But uh, I did definitely, uh, like I said before, just got to keep uh, my hands up higher and uh, move the head more. And that will be a huge difference in this fight.
0: We're going to go back to the fight in a bit. Tell me how it's been this past year, just as a father, a husband, and just a New Yorker, because you've seen everything just go to hell in a handbasket. Uh, lockdowns, people losing their jobs, uh, people losing friends to COVID. I mean, for you, in New York was one of the epicenters of all this year. How tough has this year been where I'm guessing you feel helpless sometimes. No, because people were getting hurt and who you loved, it's like,
2: can't fix it. I have no idea how to fix it. So there's no way I can fix, it, but I want to fix, but I can't. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, it was tough here. I mean, I remember like for birthdays, we did those uh, drive-by parades and stuff. I mean, this pandemic hit. Nobody, did, nobody really knew what was going on. Uh, you to know, say hard like you said, and um, it was tough. I mean, people except like people lost lives, jobs were lost. I mean, uh. Definitely uh it was definitely hard, you know. I mean, luckily thing got like uh, slowly hopefully come to an end. But uh but, but yeah, it's been a tough year.
0: For you, how tough was it as a father where you know little, all of a sudden now you know you have a daughter and she has to wear masks now places, or she has to oh, know, I have a son. Son, my apologies. But you yeah. know it's sa- same thing. He has you know, can't take him out to public because six feet apart, you know, he can't, you know, is to wear a mask certain place. How, how tough was it for you having your son just sort of get thrown into this new world? And it's like, well,
2: it's unfair. I mean, he's uh 22-1, so luckily, like, enough for us, like, uh, he was still very little when it all hit. So he was just spending time with us, which was, I guess, kind of like a blessing in disguise. We just got to spend so much time with him, uh, help him get developed. And, you know, uh, we, we got, like, uh, him a lot of books. Lot of toys, so we were able just to keep him busy and occupied in the house. Luckily, you know, I mean, I also live like in Long Island right now, so we have like a nice backyard to play play in the backyard. And when the weather, when the weather, when the weather was nice, so I mean, uh, I, but it was tough. Like you couldn't go to the parks; everything was closed off. I mean, now he's you know he's taking swim classes and stuff, so it's it's a lot better. But uh it was definitely tough.
0: How much did this help you go get mentally stronger? Because as you said, there's a lot of things that were taken away from you in some ways. You couldn't hang out with friends. You couldn't see a lot of people at times. You couldn't go to the gyms because a lot of gyms are closed. This, and as somebody said, this is where, you know, you find out a lot of stuff about yourself. You find out who you really are. For you, how much of this did you realize, okay, well... I'm a lot stronger because I, I overcame all this. I actually, you know, tr- what, you know, worked out my own. I actually overcame all this. How much do you feel this past year and a half in some ways has helped you become a stronger
2: person? Yeah, I mean, what, what, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, you know? And uh, This past year, I've definitely made a lot of people stronger, made, made us more resilient, and uh, we got to keep fighting, keep going forward. I mean... At the end, you know, uh, you got to sit back, uh, fix your wrongs, and uh, hopefully uh, next few years, people will take me out of it, you know, that uh, the little virus could change everything. And we got to be more careful. If you're just tuning
0: in, Adam Konaki is on the show. We're talking all things, of course, uh, millennials rematch. We're talking COVID. We're talking familyhood here. Let's talk about you about. This upcoming fight. You're back with the fans. It's going to be Wilder Fury. It's going to be there will be a crowd, all heavyweights. How much are you looking forward to it? Just as he said, because it's it's back to normal. It's okay. This is I've gone through this whole wacky sort of hellish world last year and a half. Now I'm hey, it, I'm going back to the fans. I'm going to, there's gonna be fans here. People will be cheering. There will be there will be fights and everything will be back to sort of a semi-normal for you.
2: Yeah, it'll be awesome. I can't wait to tell you the truth. I mean, uh, like I said, uh, I mean, New York is slowly, slowly opening up. I mean, uh, I know Texas and Florida is open. Uh, Las Vegas has to be 100% capacity in, uh, like, arenas. So it's uh, we're going in the right direction, you know, to have everything open. And I can't wait to, uh, you know, continue with, with uh, such a great, great fight card uh, with, uh, with the with the Wilder Fury, you know, for pay-per-view. And uh, you know, fighting on that card is is is, is something, something awesome. You know, I mean, uh, I never fought in Las Vegas, so it'll be uh, definitely a great experience.
0: Now I gotta ask because, like everybody in COVID, well, there's a couple of things you could do. You could because a lot of times we all got stuck in quarantine and it was well, kind of sucked. But you could always play Xbox,
1: you could always watch Netflix,
0: and there was tons of pizza getting delivered. So I gotta ask, how tough was that feeling? Oh, I got to stay in shape with, damn it, there's some pizza. Oh, I got to stay in shape with, I want to play Xbox. Oh, I want to stay in shape with, there's a Netflix marathon of all action movies, including Batman. Damn it, I, give me some beers, give me some pizza wings, some pizza, I'll be happy, just one weekend. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh crap, I've done five weekends, I'm 350 pounds, holy crap. How did you avoid doing that?
2: I mean, uh, we train, you know, like we are uh... You know, we train like, like uh, we train outside. We, we, step, we kept we uh, you know training hard. You know, uh, acc- we you know stay according to the protocols. But you know kept kept working out, uh, keeping in shape because we knew uh, the rematch would come. I mean, uh, and then we just kept busy. You know, kept uh, working out and uh, making sure when the rematch comes, we'll we'll, we'll be ready.
0: It all comes down, as you said, said again. It's you, Robert Hellenius. It's the rematch you've wanted it. You've got it. Al Haymon's giving it to you. It's on the big platform. Wilder Fury. It's a, he's dead. he's in a he feud. I know if you talk to him and his team, Barry Leathers. We won the last fight. We know what to do. Adams have Adams second second guessing himself. He's now worried that if he loses, all this going to go to hell. How big is it for you this fight just to go? All right, focus in the first minute. First two minutes. Yeah,
2: I'm not saying minutes, to myself. not worry about other stuff. I'm not saying my I know I'm a better fighter, you know what just he, he got he got lucky, he caught with a helmet punch. And uh, he was able, you know, the, the ref uh, I wish the left ref would have continued let it continue, you know. and uh hopefully it would have like knocked me out, really knocked me out, not the ref stop me. So I mean, I'm not like uh I'm ready. I can't wait for uh, July twenty-fourth. To go in there and meet uh, him up and, uh, and show the world that uh, that that uh, what happened in the March of uh, last year was just just uh, a rare, rare event that won't happen again. There you have, ladies and
0: gentlemen. Once again, we are proud to have on the show. I give you. Uh... The Brooklyn's finest himself, I give you. It's Adam Kolonaki. Adam, before let us go, where can fans check you out at? The I mean, Twitter page, Instagram, the website. Where can fans hit you up at?
2: Yeah, I mean, basically Twitter, Instagram, um, Facebook. It's uh, AK Babyface. Uh, you can also get some merch on www.akbabyface.com. And uh, it's going to be a great summary, you know. Uh, can't wait to get back uh, in the winner's circle and uh, show the world uh, why uh, why uh, I will be the first Polish born in the world
0: Adam Gonocchio ladies and gentlemen once again we are proud to have Mama's show we come back, final thoughts here including our recap of uh, well, what happened here on July 4th and a whole lot more only on Last Call Last Call with the alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network We're back once again, ladies and gentlemen, only on its last call, last call with the alcohol on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. I want to thank my two wonderful guests. Earlier, we heard from Jason Burgos, MMA Extraordinaire, and always love having him on. He talked about uh, Bell Tour this weekend, two hundred and sixty-two plus, also USC two hundred and sixty-four. Love having him on, and also wish him su- nothing but success on mixedmartialarts.com. A guy who legitimately has worked his ass off to get where he is. And I'm always happy when I see guys like that get their due. Uh, plus, Adam Konaki, Yeah, look, he's going to be fighting once again. It's going to be July 24th. It will be Wilder versus Fury 2. It will be Konaki versus Illinius 2. And I'm looking forward to that fight because it's just it's going to be an action fight. There will be no judges. Forget about scorecards. Somebody's getting knocked out. And you got to love that if you're into heavyweight boxing, but we turn our attention to this past weekend. I hope everybody had a great July 4th. Mine was kind of okay. you know, it has, it, it, Unfortunately, it rains a bit. Maybe it gets cold. And you couldn't really do some barbecuing. But hey, you get to spend time with family. It's always wonderful. I want to touch base on the with, with fight card this weekend. It was Showtime's July you know, 3rd card. And it's a tale two fighters. and sort of where they go from here. Both wins. And we'll start off here with the undercard fight. John Fernandez versus Michelle Rivera. And look, I've been high on Rivera for a long time. This is a guy who I think has the goods. You don't hear about guys like him because he doesn't speak English that well. He's at a lower weight. He's in a weight class where it's sort of... He gets overlooked. And you know, he's been bouncing around from 135 from 130 to 135, 140. It was a good fight. Look, he got, you know, this is a fight which I think he needed. And it was he got drops in the sixth round. And you start looking, going, okay, what, let's see what happens now when you when he, he faces, you know, adversity, when he faces a guy who can hurt him. And he got back up on that horse, and he decided, okay, well, I am not going to, you know, lose this fight. I'm not going to just, you know, not, you know, basically turtle up. He got back on there. He went right at Fernandez, knocked out Fernandez in the eighth round of a 12-round fight. It was a WBA, eliminate, you know, lightweight eliminator title fight. That's a big fight for Rivera. Because it it showed that for one, he could come back. It showed for two, he could beat a guy who has power. And three, a guy who's a very damn good fighter. Now they gotta figure out, you know, if you're the PBC, you gotta figure out what you can do with Rivera. In a, in a perfect world, he'd be, he you know, he'd be a, a top line star. He's this good-looking kid. Miami, Florida, Santo Domingo, via Santo Domingo, Dome- Dominican Republic. But he need you need to speak English, and this is not you know. And I know some people are going to accuse me of being racist and I'm anti-Hispanic. Unless you're Canelo Alvarez, and even he's learning to speak English, you do not sell tickets if you can't speak English. It's fact. ESPN. English speaking language network uh, and you know NBC sports if you are going on showtime zone, they all prefer English speaking fighters because you can do interviews you can get you know you can get the fighters you know charismatic you come across if you don't it, it just makes it difficult and as i said I like Rivera we've had him on the show he is a guy who is personable he fits at 135 I'd love to see him him in his next fight against somebody like give me the winner of Javier Fortuna versus uh, Joseph Diaz Jr. Hell, give me Richard Comey versus Michelle Rivera. Let's see one of those fights there. They should be easy to make on paper. But we'll see what happens here because it's going to be interesting going forward with him what the PBC can do. And look, it's... The champion is uh, Teofimo Lopez. You've got Vasily Lomachenko. Both of them were top rank. Uh, Devin Haney over at the, the Zone. All of them, it's a bitch to make fights. You know, guys like that. So we'll see what happens going forward. The other fighter is Chris Colburn. And he's more of an interesting... For one, he... You've got to give him credit. He really stepped up. And... He was originally supposed to fight Yoriokis Gamboa. And while people liked it, it was sort of like, okay, you're the kind of guy who's clearly not the same guy he was. Instead, he took on Tug Scott Nyambar, And Nyambara is a guy who is a damn good fighter. His only loss to date had been a unanimous decision loss to Gary Allen to Gary Russell Jr but he had beaten Claudio morera he had beaten Oscar Escondone. you know beat Kobe Abrely. he did you know this is a fighter where you know he had shown look he was a legitimate top 10 guy at 100 at 120 at 130 125 and he goes up to 130 take on Colbert and Colbert basically just dominates him just like Gary Gary Russell Jr did and you gotta give him credit because Colbert did not have to take that fight. He could have just said, look, you know, Gambo fight's not there. I'm not, I'm not agreeing to this. This is a dangerous fight. He stepped, but he stepped up, took on Tug Scott Nayambara, and, and he took care of business. He literally, you know, and you had to look in his last couple fights, he's looked very impressive, you know. Unanimous decision victory over Jezreel Corrales, who did not, you know didn't come to fight, basically came to sort of survive. Uh, the TKO win over Jamie Arboleda is a damn good fight. That's, once again, one of those fights where Colbert showed power in the later rounds. And Tugstat and Iambar, but his last three fights are against guys with a combined record of 51-5. and five. Now, it's, now for Colbert, it's about not putting your foot in your mouth. And he has said a lot of things in the past where he goes after other fighters who you know don't build their fan base with the African-American people. Then he comes across and goes, Well, I need to do that, and the black community needs to show support because of my skin color. My my basically with Colbert, it's just show up and fight. Just show up and fight. You know, don't don't start don't make you know start saying things about, well, I need to fight more New York. My people need to get behind me. You know, it's like okay, just show up, fight. You know, hype up your fight, and just let the fans come. If you're in, if you're in, interesting, they will come. They will show up. It's been it's been proven before, and I like him. As I said, I like Chris Colbert. I think he is one of PBC's young rising stars. Does he? Does he need to show more power? Probably, but look, but he, that isn't his style. He's never going to be a slugger. He's a boxer-puncher who, who's damn good and can make people look stupid. And there are fights to be made for him going forward. I mean, look, he is he has a title. And there are guys who, you know, he can fight who could probably help him out there. Uh, Tevin Farmer, if he stays at 130, is a guy that is perfect. You know, that perfect Philly versus New York. You can get people talking. That's the fight could be that could be made. Uh you go even further. And you know, you've got Miguel Burchelt. Possible unification fight. Eventually, fights like that can get made. Uh you have, you know, Xavier Martinez is out there. You have Shavkat Rakhamov is out there. I mean, there are fights to be made, and he could even go up to 135 if he wants to, but he is a guy that is becoming must see TV. He is just—he's personable. He knows how to talk. He knows—you know—he is—he's flashing a ring. But at some point, he has to become a little bit more mature. He's no longer an eighteen-year-old kid. He's now twenty-four. People want to see—you know—okay, well, you say you want fans to come out, show us. Last couple of fights have been pretty good. Gotta keep it up. But either way, you know, as I said, it was. This week is going to be big. We're looking forward to it here. I am, you know, we're going to be talking more and more about it as we heard Bellator 262, uh, UFC 264. I'm looking forward to these cards, but we got to wrap this up. So once again, for my wonderful guests, we had it was Jason Burgos for Adam Kolnaki. This is Chris Connor saying I'm out of here. Stay tuned for more great action, Oh, and um, I hope everybody had a great July 4th only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on... The Blue Wire Hustle Network.